standing and join me in the Shema, which our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our sermon series continues this morning on the lectionary in Luke 2, where we find Jesus at the age of maturity, heading home from Jerusalem, or supposedly so. Hear now the word of the Lord. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers of the law, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. I like that word, astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus replies, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, A quick update for those of you who weren't at the 9 p.m. service. My wife and I have some exciting news. She is pregnant with our first child. It will be a girl. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, It's a baby girl. So uh, she's due July 1. So right about the time we get a new pastor, we'll have a new baby. So everything in my life will change yet again. Um, We wanted to share the news with you. So thank you for being family and supportive along the journey. And thank you for your continued prayers. I I will certainly need them. Uh, Back to the story. Um, When I was seven years old, my family and I... Um, gathered up in the suburban and headed east to Florida for a family trip. And as many of you know, my uh, mom is the youngest of six, so it was her uh, nephew's wedding. It was the first uh, nephew uh, that got married from all the sisters. And so we all piled up and and headed to Florida for the wedding, and uh, we piled up in the Suburban and, and drove all the way to Florida. And while we were there, um, we stayed in a place and would go to and from with all the chaos. And many of y'all know what a big family is like. Some of y'all are experiencing it here this weekend, and you observed it from afar if you weren't uh, in it for the holidays. But um, the, there's a lot of people, and you kind of try and get to a round number somewhat close to the number you came in with. And, you know, sometimes you have twins, so you have a spare in case one goes missing. Um, 
but it's in a big family, it's that kind of setup. So one day, uh, my folks load us up in the car and ask my older brother, our Matt and Mike in the back seat, to which Chris says yes, with his face buried in a book, which is pretty common for Chris. He just kind of agrees with things and doesn't know what's going on around him. And uh, one of the nice things about kids is they make a lot of noise. So if they're not around, you kind of figure it out. So after a little while, my parents noticed that uh, my brother and I were being unusually quiet in the back of the car and and then they had Chris check, and we actually weren't there. So um, <laughs> meanwhile, back at the house, um, I, at the age of seven, am outside playing with my younger brother at the age of five and watch um, our, our suburban drive away with our parents. Uh, I was young, but old enough to know that's not how that was supposed to work. So... I gathered up my five-year-old brother and brought him inside. The good news is my parents had the presence of mind to leave us behind, but not the presence of mind to lock the door so we could still get in. Um, So I plopped my younger brother down in front of the TV, and he watched uh, television without noticing the parents had left. Um, So all that to say, with wonderful parents like mine, uh, even them can leave a child behind. So... Uh, don't go judging Mother Mary too soon. Um, it can happen to the best of us. Our scripture this morning starts off with this reality that every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. It was the custom of the day. Um, I, obviously, Jesus is Jewish, and, and he's keeping the law and keeping the customs, and so going to the Passover feast and the festival would be a big event on their annual calendar uh, as I was thinking this time of year, the festival would be bigger than a bowl game. Um, so uh, people are pouring into Jerusalem from all over, and they're traveling with family and friends. And uh, th- this would be a big highlight of the year, and the city itself would be packed and brimming with people. Um, and, and then there's this reality of this, uh, uh, this reference to the fact that Jesus is 12, which is the idea of the age of maturity in that day. So think bar mitzvah, think confirmation today, think even like quinceanera. In some ways, you could even think in our modern culture of ter- turning 18 in the age of maturity. Um, but now Jesus is 12, and so he is seen no longer as a minor. He's more of an adult in that culture. And so when they travel, they travel with a big herd, <laughs> kind of like our herd here this morning. Um, and you'd have family and friends and relatives that would be going likely from your town, or you'd pick them up on other towns along the way. And the way they would travel is they'd have uh, the women and children, especially the young ones in the middle, uh, who needed extra care from the rest of the community. And then the adult men would be on the outskirts. Think your your Boy Scout troops, where whenever we travel and you bring uh, these young children along, you have like this ring of dads all around to make sure everybody makes it. Um, So on this trip, it's likely the first time that Jesus would be on the outer circle amongst the adult men of the day, and he wouldn't no longer be just looked upon by his parents and counted with the kids. He would be with the adults watching other people. So when he is left in Jerusalem, it's not as shocking as it would be uh, to us today, like how could they they leave without him? It's probably just he's in a transitionary 
period to adulthood. And so um, for those of you who have not left a child behind, uh, don't tell the neighbor next to you because I'm pretty sure everyone here has. So, so we, can, we can understand this reality. Um, I, I, what I love about the, the, the story is where they're specific. And they specifically tell us that they traveled a full day without the Christ child. Um, and, and so it takes them a day to realize this and we get how that can happen with the big group. But then it takes them, when they turn around and head back, it takes them three days to find a baby you know, the Christ child, there's this reality where they're searching this large city uh, during this kind of bowl game atmosphere and they're having trouble finding Jesus. And so they have worked themselves into a tizzy by the time they get there. I I love the idea of them searching Jerusalem for three days. Uh, Mary has been entrusted with the Christ child, the Messiah, the hope of the world, and certainly the hope of the Israelite people, and now she's lost the kid. Um, I, I think everyone experiences a lot of guilt and shame when they lose their own child, and they, they feel horrible, but three days of uh, the weight of the world hanging on your shoulders, and you've totally blown it. I, I can see why she's astonished uh, when she finds Jesus I think I think it, uh, a more accurate translation would be she's infuriated uh, when she finally finds Jesus, um, and, and she asks him why Why have you treated us like this? So um, for all you kids playing at home, I'd like to point out um, notice that Jesus doesn't go with his parents, but he also doesn't tell them. Uh, I think that's a fascinating part of the story. Uh, he knows he's staying behind and he knows the parents are going back. He probably knows this is going to bother his folks. And I find it very interesting that he's not telling them ahead of time. Um, and, and they're mad. Why, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you for days on end. And I've been guilt stricken with the weight of the Jewish culture and the hope of the world. Um, but we've lost the Christ child. Uh, and, and, I, and I think that could be the title to not only this sermon, but a lot of different situations in our lives where we turn around and we've gone this far and we're all in this together. We've been through what we thought was the big deal of the time in the festival. We've just come off Christmas. We've unwrapped gifts. We've done the services. We, we've got it on autopilot. It's about time uh, for, for the out-of-town family to go home and us to go back to normal. And then all of a sudden, we realize we've, we've lost Jesus. Friends, I think there's an opportunity in this time of our liturgical calendar and with this kind of scripture in front of us to stop and slow down and ask ourselves, do we have the habit and the tendency to put everything on autopilot and just assume God's going to continue to truck on down the road like we have done every year, and yet, behold, we look up and we're no longer following Jesus. Now we're just doing our rote things, and Jesus is in a totally different place. And all of a sudden we have to hit pause and run back to where we came from and search around to find him. And when we find him, we're shocked at where he is and we're even mad that he went somewhere else without telling us. 
And what does Jesus say? This is not the felt board, nice and soft and easy Jesus that says, I'm so sorry, mom and dad, to put you through this stress and trouble. Jesus says, why were you even surprised? You should have known where I was. I had a mentor that used to tell me, it's right about the time in my life that I think I've got God all figured out that he shows up and surprises me yet again. Go with me to the picture of the manger that we paint so sterilely and Scholars and David have taught us the reality that it's not as clean as we make it in the manger out on Bassey Road. He's likely laid in a feeding trough amongst stinky barnyard animals, and it's more like a cold cave. But there is a tendency that you and I have to paint the picture that it's all nice and sweet and easy and the stench of normal daily life is not there. And the picture we paint at Christmas is that Jesus comes in the form of a sweet little baby that we can keep in the manger and we know how to control him. My wife and I have friends that have a newborn and the baby is old enough they can leave the house, but young enough where the kid sleeps pretty much all the time. So they can still keep him in the car seat and just pop him into the car and then take him to dinner and pop him out and cover up the basket, and he sleeps through most of the dinner. But folks, y'all that have kids know this doesn't last very long. You know you get very quickly to this, Right? <laughs> The kids start to squirm and walk and discover and they want to explore the entire world. We can't keep baby Jesus as a baby that long. We want to keep him in the manger. Can you imagine Joseph? He's finally figured out a place to have the kid. It's in this cave. They've literally laid him in a feeding trough. It is less than ideal to say the least. He's probably keeping the sheep at bay and he's just glad that Mary has survived the delivery. He doesn't want to change anything. He just wants to keep it all stable. My wife and I visited some friends that had a two-week-old baby. And she said, what have you been doing? And, she, and the mother said, we don't leave the house. They're just trying to feed the kid and keep it alive. <laughs> there is this reality with baby Jesus that I think we want to keep him as baby Jesus. We want to keep him in the manger where we can do a three-point check when he cries. Is he tired? Does he need to be changed? Does he need to be fed? That's all we have to do. And our scripture this morning reminds us this does not last that long. For those of you all who have kids, you know they grow up really fast and baby Jesus stays as baby Jesus for a very little bit in our lives, but he grows up to be full-blown adult Jesus and starts doing things like ditching the family and going to the house of God to talk to the religious elite. And then when mom and dad come, they say, he says, tough. You should have known I would be here. I think we have a tendency to want to keep Jesus small, to want to keep Jesus dependent on us and under our own control. 
And our scripture this morning reminds us, friends, Jesus is growing up and he's not showing up necessarily amongst our rote ways of doing things. And he's taking us to new places and he's surprising us with things. And it's not even in the normal rhythm of our regular festivals all the time. And things are changing. And that's okay. We can trust Jesus with our lives, with our future, with our hopes, with our dreams, with our hearts, with our relationships, with our salvation. There's a great story in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia when they're getting to know the Christ figure, this lion, this Aslan, and they're asking about him from afar. And they say, is he safe? And the response is, no, but he's good. Jesus will lead us to new and unexpected places, but he'll do it out of love and of care and as a focus on the whole world. Our scripture this morning reminds us that while Jesus comes in the form of a babe to our world, he doesn't stay there long and he grows up and he's gonna do things that are new and different and unexpected and we can trust him with that. We don't have to be the parents that are in control of the baby We can let Jesus lead and we can learn to follow. We're headed for new times and new transitions in our church. And Jesus will continue to lead us to new unexpected places. But I assure you, he'll always do it lovingly. He'll always do it with us. And he'll always call us to follow him and to follow him together as a family. And folks, that to me is very exciting. In this next year, we're in for a lot of change. I'm in for more change than y'all are. (laughs) But I can assure you, God will be in the lead. God will be with us. He will always be loving. He will always call us to follow him, and he will always call us to do it with one another. And I'm excited to take this journey with y'all. Amen.